0: pod 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 rugby pod
1: hello and welcome along to the rugby pod i'm andy Rowan. and big jim and Gertie are with me as usual uh, one of the benefits i suppose of recording remotely these days is that we don't have to postpone if there's been a snow day jim you snowed in what's happening
0: I've been snowed in for about a year, haven't we? Hey how, how you make how you making
1: do, mate? You alright?
0: Well we're all making do, aren't we? Um as we said before we've recorded. We we give our we rank ourselves out of ten, not just in good looks, but in how we're feeling. I gave myself a straight five today, which is actually okay. Is that in terms of looks or is that in terms of how you're feeling? I'm an eight or a nine, mate, when it comes to looks. Well, I wasn't eight <laughs> I was, I was an eight or a nine. Now I'm probably a five as well. Five is probably the magic number. That would be great that I'd get after a Scotland game. That would be a good grade, actually. I was generally around a three or four. So I'll take a five, but yeah, I'm about a five out of ten, I'd say. Snow day every day. It has been for Scotland for a
2: few days now. Do you know what? We we got a bit of snow down here, and it reminded me of that time you failed to turn up for a live show. If there was a live show tomorrow
0: and there was snow, I'd walk to get there. <laughs> I would walk. I'd crawl. I would swim. I would do anything to get where I needed to be. Back then, when life was normal, it just seemed like, it was like, I'm snowed in. All right, well, i missed the live show. The kids enjoy the snow? Well, Defiant enjoyed. Last time we went out in the snow, JJ broke his ankle. Now, it probably takes about 45 to 50 minutes to get the Hamilton kids ready and out and wrapped up warm for 10
2: minutes of fun before they start moaning. I've got to talk about this to you as well, Jim, because I completely agree. And me and my missus every morning, I watch what the nanny does. The nanny has them dressed, their hair done, in their shoes, their coats, whatever you want to put on. It takes her about 15 minutes tops. It takes me and the missus about four hours to get them out of the house. How does that work? I think it's respect. There's no respect coming from the kids to me and the missus. So during lockdown, I found some really
0: good hacks to do with the kids. So... This one is unbelievable. I don't know where I've seen it. I might have made it up myself or JJ might have showed me. So you get a Henry the Hoover and you tie a hairband on the on the end of the, the nozzle and then you turn the Hoover on and you suck the girl's hair so it all goes inside with all the dog food and whatever else is in there. And then <laughs> once all the hair's in, you just go and pull the hair bobble on. Hair's done. Because brushing the hair and stuff like that just takes too long now. So hygiene isn't top of the list in our house now. Um, but efficiency is and we're very efficient now well I'm very
2: efficient the wife weren't very happy when I did it but I got it done your face looks red and raw have you been you've been doing some scrum practice on your Cycling. own have you got chafing all over your face
0: well here's a bit of information for you and I feel like I need to defend myself now because everything we do is online as we know and everything goes on social media and with that comes the comments generally good a lot bad and the bigger you grow the harder you fall. I think the saying said that. I think the great Pablo Escobar said that. I don't know if that was what he said, but if someone said it and I saw it, but I feel like I need to stick up for myself because sometimes more in the colder weather and after I've trained, I've got what looks like a massive zit under my eye. Now I'm going to call out what this is, right? So back in the glory days playing at Leicester, I've run into a maul, it could have been a rock, a breakdown at 100 miles an hour. I was probably off my feet. And at that moment of impact, Tom Croft's elbow has just popped out of the Rook or the mall. I don't know what he was doing in there, and it's cracked me straight in the cheek. Basically, he's filled you in. We'll say he's filled me in, because still to this day, it caused me problems. So I've got a hole in my cheekbone, which basically, if I do any kind of training, it fills up with air and then pops out, so it makes it look, look like it's a zit. It sounds like an unbelievable war story, it actually is, and then I've got these stains on my face, and I've had to justify this before because it looks like I've got a dirty face sometimes. But it's the pigmentation around my eyes because Scotland had this unbelievable thought with Canterbury, who are a good make. I think it was Canterbury. Let's just say it was Macron. Um, brought out these new shorts which gave second rows grip on the back of their shorts, so props could, you, could lift you. But the props used to wear them as well, so I'm in the scrums, scrumming to the cow sheds and back. I, and scrummaging and against this rubber mesh on the back of the shorts that's grated my face off like a cheese grater. Actually. Where there's blame, there's a claim, Says There's a claim. So it looks like I'm claiming because I've got a dirty face and I'm going to sue properly <laughs> because I've got a hole in my cheekbone as well. So for anyone watching this, I haven't got a dirty face. It's clean. And uh, I, there's a war story there. I've got a hole in my cheekbone. Hard ah, as nails.
2: So you're telling me that when you train, there's air that goes into that pocket. Apparently so, yeah. Do you reckon that's my problem around my belly? How is the weight good? We've not asked for a while. Well, we don't need to talk about the weight because uh, this Friday I am heading under the knife. It's been postponed, but this Friday I'm heading back under the knife for the big ankle operation, pins and a plate, and they shave the bone and break your ankle to straighten it and all that stuff. Basically, it's because I've got a 75-year-old man's ankle in a... Let's call myself 39-year-old's body, because we took a year off last week, didn't we, Jim?
1: Mm, Because of
2: lockdown. So I'm 39, I've got a 75-year-old man's ankle, um, and I'm going in for the big op this weekend. It got postponed, and so I dread to think, when I've got to be in bed for two weeks with my foot up, resting much weight i'm going to put on just from bed rest and get bed sores and just imagine oh, can you the- imagine the bed sores <laughs> on you as well can you
0: imagine the bed sores on you
2: oh yeah it'd be uh it'd be interesting there'll be i said to the missus you got to get a flannel pick up the rolls roll it. no i'm joking i'm fit as fit as a fiddle mate fit as a fiddle
0: well you need to make sure that you're completely shaven because it was a couple of weeks ago and you know how quickly your growth comes back
1: andrew <laughs> i do mate i do Well, Manscaped are supporting us again this week, and with Valentine's Day just around the corner, Manscaped want to help you prepare your two best mates for the big occasion. They've got a whole range of products to get you looking smart, (laughs) trimmed, and looking and feeling your best, haven't they, guys? Who are the the other people? Who are the
2: other people involved in in my relationship on Valentine's Day? (laughs) This is the thing, right? Imagine, I get, right, you use it for yourself, tidy yourself up. And Manscapes do an unbelievable job looking at the blokes. Imagine all the guys out there that buy that for their missus for Valentine's Day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> can you imagine that? That's a relationship ender straight away.
0: Well, it's either that or the two best friends are the Evans, Evans brothers. And I'll tell you what, if they rocked around my house, I'm,
1: well, there's not a lot I can do really. I just have to knob, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for the blow-the-waist grooming by getting your hands on the perfect package 3.0, and you can get 20% off and free shipping. With the code RUGBYPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code RUGBYPOD at manscaped.com. Your bulls will thank you. We'll have a look ahead to the Six Nations and the squads that have been announced shortly. But first, have you guys had any updates, any behind the scenes gossip on what's going on with the Lions Tour? Do you know what's happening?
2: There's loads of chat in the papers around a decision's going to be imminent uh, and, and made this week. Uh, my sources tell me differently. You know, there, there's, there are meetings going on, but they're not going to be rushed into a decision. Ultimately, all the fans, it sounds like, want it delayed. And the players are just going to say, look, they're happy to be a Lion and they want to be a Lion whenever they can be a Lion. But the reality of it is when you've got a legend like Willie John McBride saying the Lions is just about touring. He's fearing for the Lions. He he said he's worrying that they could now be on their way out if we have a tour here. It really takes away from the essence of what is a Lions tour. So I don't think they're going to be rushed into a decision. Obviously, it's not going to happen in South Africa this summer. There's massive petitions going on around the game to to make sure that it gets delayed. But then again, the unions are... I think some of the unions are just thinking cash money, which I understand uh, in the current climate. But is it the right thing to do to say, actually, we're just going to fast forward it and have it here when... Schools aren't even open here till April apparently now. So who knows? So to make that decision now and say we're just going to fast forward and definitely have it here in the summer is, for me, it's 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 fairly ludicrous. I think it should be put back to 2022 and everything should be done to keep the Lions' uh, history and, and, and what the Lions is about intact. And that's a tour on foreign soil to South Africa.
1: What about if it was in New Zealand? Like, Have you guys heard the chat about Eden Park being booked out for two tests? for the South Africa Lions. I heard that. I heard, it again, the rumour coming through. It'd be very weird, wouldn't it?
0: Imagine a Lions tour in New Zealand against South Africa with no
1: Lions or South African fans there. Crazy. There's a massive South African population in north of Auckland.
2: It's not about them. You cannot have a Lions tour with the Lions playing South Africa in New Zealand because there's a few Saffers that live in North Auckland, mate. It's just ludicrous, isn't it? Have it in South Africa, which we know we can't have this summer. Or just delay it for a year. Common sense, delay it. Everyone join in, hold hands together. Jason Leonard leading the charge on the... Oh, my nuts. Yeah. He's got the (laughs) biggest nutsack in the world, Jason Leonard. Time to flop him out, son, and say, no, we're delaying it so we can all get to South Africa and enjoy... In a year's time, 18 months' time, when it will be, enjoy the fruits of a beautiful country.
0: I'm the same as Goody. What do I think will happen? I think there's a good chance it might be played in the UK. But like Goody said, the kids ain't even at school. They're <laughs> not even at school. <laughs> pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Well, you probably heard it a few weeks ago. I've launched a brand new podcast and we've had some awesome guests on so far. The feedback has been unreal. So far, we've had a top gun pilot from the RAF, a crocodile hunter, some former SAS soldiers, the UK's number one fitness expert, the bodyguard for celebrities like Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie and Clint Eastwood, a government advisor on the future, which is gnarly, and a UFO expert from the UK's Ministry of Defence. Plus, I've just recorded one with the Stig from Top Gear, where he gives me all the secrets on how he kept his identity hidden for so long. You don't want to miss that one. So go and check it out. It's called The Andy Rowe Show, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Pod, 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 pod. Rookie pod. Well, the Premiership may have been on a break, but what happened with their COVID testing this week? Bath shut down because they thought 19 players had it and then they were informed that only two positive tests happened in the whole league. Well, all I'm saying is Randox have had an absolute stinker. An absolute stick to bubble stinker. bath.
0: Stick to, yeah. stick to your <laughs> bubble baths.
2: <laughs> and as Jim said earlier, where there's blame, there's a claim. I'm joking, but it's not a good look, is it? Poor bath. And it's not just that one club, the players, the panic. It's the whole process of you know all those people going into self-isolation, then having to tell their close contacts that they've got to isolate as well. And it there's, the web is huge, isn't it, when you think about it, of 50 people at a rugby club um, and, you, and you start looking at it that way. Randox have had an absolute stinker. I spoke to Cameron Redpath for Rugby Pass this week. Uh, very nice lad. Very weird
0: seeing a Redpath with an English accent, but I feel his pain. You've got two Scotland greats of names, Redpath in terms of his dad, Brian, and Hamilton, because of Jim Hamilton. And... It was weird listening to him speak because I remember him being at Gloucester walking around in nappies at seven years old and uh, <laughs> he, he spoke about it. He said they had to go back in for a test, but he, he was very surprised when it first came back round. Hence why I think they challenged it because they're like, well, I don't understand how that could have happened. We've not really been around each other and they've been operating in bubbles away from um, the, tr- the training facility as well. So it makes you think, doesn't it? If that's happened at a rugby club, what's happening in the public domain where people are having to test themselves and stuff like that. And I've had to do one before. You don't want to go deep on that swab. I tell you now, you don't want to go. I ain't great at going deep. And I'll tell you now, the one at the back of the throat, I'm all right. I can go deep. The one on the back of the nose, my goodness me, I'm hard as nails. And I am blinking like the famous Coventry football player, Reggie Blinker. I am blinking like a moleful when that is going in. So um you can you imagine what's going on out there but look i'm not getting involved in numbers in politics in drama you know i'm just operating a five out of
2: ten day to day and who knows well you talk about five out of ten jim day to day living up in scotland surely it's a big celebration today it's burns night isn't it
0: yeah it, well it was it was it was christmas a few weeks ago
2: it was my birthday
0: it was my birthday the month before that it was jj's birthday in january and what haven't you got to celebrate the haggis or something up there in scotland what do you do well i think it's celebrating when robert the bruce came over the mountain i don't even know what it is
1: he's a poet isn't he <laughs>
0: Of course. What do you mean he's a poet? Is that a rhetorical question? You're asking one of the best who have ever done it in Scotland. So you know the story, James? Of course you mean I know the story. I basically wrote the poem. Like, of course I do. You're
2: going to put your nan's curtains on, your bum bag around your waist and all that stuff and make a haggis tonight? Or what happens up there?
0: So my nan's curtain being my kilt and me bum bag meaning me sporran, and me knife meaning my me skinny do that I'm going to put in my sock. Yes, I am. The missus loves it. especially Because you can pull it over the bum bag as well, so it's quite high. So it looks like I've got like a two-pack at the top. It's probably just me ribs <laughs> protruding out. But I look unbelievably in a kilt that high. But no, what I normally do is um, lie on the sofa, have a sleep when I get home after recording the pod, and then put the kids to bed. So instead of reading them a story, I'm going to read the address to the haggis to them. Now, for the millions of you out there, I'm going to read you the first couple of lines and see if you get it. Fair, <speaking> fair, you're honest, sans face. Great chieftain, or oh, they put in race. Abun, there you tack your place. Patch try, pathoam. Will your word, your grace, as langs me arm. As long as me arm, that's what that translates to. The groaning trencher, there you feel. Your hurdles like a distant hill. Your pinwad help to mend a mill. In time, or oh need, while through your pores, the tooth to steal, like amber bead. <laughs> Mate, what is that, Jim? You sound a pished pal. Well, that's what you meant to sound like when you're doing it because it's from the oh, old when you're days. Scottish. Imagine what they were like in the old day reading that. So <laughs> there's a bit of culture for you. Robert Burns, the address the haggis.
2: Very good, James. A nice accent as well that you put on there because you're English. Thank you.
1: Well, speaking of all things, Scotland, uh, the six nations have been announced, all the teams have been announced. Let's start with the the Scots. Um interesting cam redpath jim we thought he was english well his dad didn't that's for sure uh, there's a couple of big talking points from
0: the scotland squad so one is cameron redpath who's playing at bath and playing really well in the center i was a massive fan of his coming through his, his sale, he had a couple of nasty injuries as a young lad big future was in the england age group stuff eddie jones picked him in the squad obviously wasn't capped and yeah i think gregor Townsend has been trying to get him for a couple of years he said to me that the, you know, the time felt right. There's a good chance that he's been told that he might play for Scotland and England never said that to him. The strength and depth with England is very high, especially in the centre. And I've been in this position before. Like I, w- I made a decision to play for Scotland and it's the best decision I've ever made. So I think he'll be class. I think he'll add real depth in that position. We're a little bit thin on the ground. I've said that at number eight. And we can talk about that because you're welcome, Gary Graham. Uh, but in yeah, the centre yeah. as well. Sam Johnson's a brilliant player, but he's been injured a lot. Chris Harris is playing really well at 13. Uh, Finn Russell being back, hopefully, um, firing and all cylinders uh, quicker than we thought. And uh, I think there's a void in that centre. I don't know what's happened to Rory Hutchinson, but he seems to have fallen off the... Scotland Radar, but you've got Duncan Taylor as well. But I think Cameron Redpath offers something completely
2: different in terms of his his attacking threat. So, I think he'll play. The big thing talking about Cameron Redpath is, you think back to, we were on this podcast two years ago, when he got picked to go on tour out of school to South Africa with England. And I'm like, what's Eddie Jones thinking there, picking this kid from school? And I'd seen him play, you know, in the school team that year and I'm like, you can't just put someone in at international level. He hadn't even played in the Premiership yet, really. But, he has developed over those two years into a fabulous player with so much potential. Um, he's tough. He's abrasive. He puts his body on the line. And it's like Jim said, and I, you know, Jim's just said he made the best decision he's ever made by playing for Scotland. And what I will say, Jim, is you're welcome. Because if we rewind to that coffee we had in Starbucks, I told you you'd never good enough to play for England, so you may as well go and play for Scotland. Um, so I feel proud of that, Jim, that I've been part of your best ever decision. But for Cam, similar sort of thing. The unknown of Eddie Jones, your dad is a hyper little Scotsman who, you know, is Mr Braveheart, isn't he, when he talks. You're going into, if you're in England, you're in an environment where you play in the position where the captain plays Owen Farrell. And we've seen what's happened with players that, could challenge Owen Farrell in certain positions, Danny Cipriani, and how that didn't work out. And I'm not putting anything into Cam Redpath's mind here, but I'm just saying that, go and play for Scotland. He could be a 70, 80, 90 cap international, couldn't he?
0: And he's got leadership credentials. Yeah. As in. He's a big talker. Like you said, his dad, he's from rugby stock. And these are all things, from a Scotland perspective, that we've lacked. You know, Hoggy's captain, as we know, at 15. It's a difficult position to captain from. You need natural leaders. It's all right, trying to mould leaders because you think oh he's a good player or he could be a leader as you know Goody (laughs) there's only a few of us out there that could lead a group of (laughs) men onto a rugby field and everything you hear about Cameron Redpath is he's got the ability to do that naturally so yeah I think it's a positive thing for Scotland who starts at 10-12-13 against England if it was me what I would pick would be Russell Taylor and Harris That would be what I would pick against England because as much as I want to see Cameron Redpath play, he's not proven international rugby. Duncan Taylor, for me, when he plays and he gets a lot of injuries and some of them not great, he's one of the best 12s, I think, in world rugby. I genuinely believe that. Mate, he lost to the Ealing Trailblazers last week. Yeah, don't worry about that. No one saw it, though.
1: (laughs) Gary Graham's back in as well.
0: That's what happens, mate. Come on the pod. Who wants in?
2: George Ford. George
0: Ford needs to come on soon, I reckon. I've just got a feeling he needs to come on. <laughs> is he getting dropped by England then, is he? I don't know. Who knows? I doubt it. He ain't ever getting dropped by Eddie Jones. He's not, but yeah, great for Gray Graham. It's a position again, spoken about Scotland lacking is an all out. Ball carrying eight who can goo and goo and goo and goo. And he has been going like an AK-47, like Abo, for Newcastle
2: under the radar. So he's back in. I hope he starts against England as well because he's the sort of player that would take it to him as well, wouldn't he? Because, you, you know, everyone talks about you've got to be physical. Go back to when uh, Scotland won the Calcutta Cup up in Edinburgh a couple of years ago. Uh, or three years was it three years ago now was it that long ago Jim I don't know it
0: felt like yesterday
2: but who was the hard man going around causing a bit of trouble Ryan Wilson who was his backup causing trouble at the breakdown John Barkley that's where Scotland have got to attack England and you need someone like Gary Graham going and belting Underhill and Billy and
1: Curry off the ball he's the sort of nut job that will absolutely love to do that does it look like uh Kyle Sinclair's at that point now where he needs to come on the pod or no surprises there him not making the 28-man squad?
2: Uh, Mate, I don't think he's coming on the pod. I'll ask him, but I don't think he likes Jim, so he might not come on. But yeah, it's Eddie Jones, we spoke about last week, didn't we? Um, He's not picked him. He's got a two-game band that he'll miss, Bristol's game this weekend, and then the Scotland game uh, the week after, and then I'm sure Eddie Jones will have him back in the squad. Uh, As quickly as he's available, which you know, people were saying he's got this 28-man squad that he's naming that there's no swapping around unless there's injuries. Well, you know, in reality, a week away from the tournament, you know, we've seen today the news has broken that Joe Marler has decided not to join the group uh, and for personal reasons doesn't want to be part of the Six Nations because he wants to stay with his family. We're living in the crazy world, but living at the minute, which you can perfectly understand. So things are changing pretty quickly. I've got no doubt that England's first two games against Scotland when we know Carl Sinclair definitely can't play and then Italy at home the week after when he potentially could play if Eddie Jones brings him into the squad. Do we need Carl Sinclair to win against Italy in that second game? I don't think we do. Um, but I've got no doubt Carl Sinclair will be straight back in the squad as soon as it's practical and whether that's Italy or he leaves him to stew a week longer and then bring him back for England's third game which is against Wales. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be back for that. I'm just hoping that Will
0: Stewart a.k.a. Sam Smith, keeps his head shaved if he's playing in that first game against Scotland. If he's grown a mullet back, we're fucked. <laughs> if, he hasn't, if he hasn't, we're running over him like a
1: train. You mentioned Joe Marler pulling out. Um, Joe Launchbury's also out, but a um, bit of a surprise with Marler though. Were you guys surprised at Evan? Is he retiring again? or
0: Not with his history. I think Goody mentioned it there. I think he's spoken about his family. I don't want to speak for him. We've obviously had him on the sh- the show many a times. I was going to say friend of the pod, but I don't think he is uh, because he's a quince <laughs> and we can talk about that. But like for me, I, yeah, I can understand it. It's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it's test rugby. I've spoken about it before, the sacrifices that come with it, but it's obviously more so now. I think he's just had a kid not so long ago. Now they've got to operate in a bubble. It's very t- tight and stringent on what they can and can't do. I don't think it's a case if you can be in camp, you can come home at the weekend and go and do whatever. So you can't question anyone, can you? If they're putting their family before their
2: work, if you put rugby and playing professional sport in that work bracket. I think from the outside world as well, um, you look at this and you're seeing across other sports, players don't want to be part of bubbles if they can help it at times. And if that means they sacrifice playing for their country. Minotzi's doing it for Italy, isn't he? He said he's just at an absolute fatigue level that he can't cope with anymore. Um, and doesn 't want to live in a bubble where you know you, you can 't see family and everything like that because that saps the mental strain out of you as well, so yeah, across other sports we 've seen it in cricket it is hard i 'm sure it's exceptionally hard to live by these bubbles in terms of your mental state and also you know when you have got a young family. And, you know, I'm sure if you put Jim in that position, he'd be like, I'm going... I'd love to be in a a bubble. (laughs) I would love to be (laughs) in a bubble. A four-year bubble as well. Um, Put me in a bubble. But... you know, you, you can only you can't judge people for making these decisions. They're they're personal to them and that's Joe Marler's decision. Uh you respect it. And, you know, Tom West from Wasps has got a call up now, uh, which is brilliant for him. A youngster really coming through at Wasps and doing exceptionally well. Um so a massive opportunity for him, especially with Mako out injured at the minute. You'd expect obviously Genge to start. So, you know, would Marler have started anyway. I think he only played thirty minutes in the um, Autumn Nations Cup. So uh, it's an opportunity for a youngster and you know Joe gets to stay with his family and, and that's his priority, which you can only respect.
1: Goody, what's the deal with the 12-man shadow squad that Eddie's named as well?
2: I don't know, is the honest answer because what I do know about it is those 12 guys and obviously Tom West has been promoted from that as has Charlie Ewells. Those 12 guys that are in there, what we do know is they're going to live by the same testing protocols that the England boys are. Um, so if there is a necessity to bring someone in at short notice. You know, that's certainly something that you can do. Um, what I don't really understand with it, some of the players in there are have got very low experience. Imagine if you're Joe Simmons, MBE, and you've named a shadow squad, and I'm a Wasps uh, ambassador, I'm a massive Wasp fan. Um, Charlie Atkinson's in there, player with huge potential, youngster, has played a bit of premiership rugby now. Joe Simmons, MBE, European champion, Premiership champion, captain of Exeter. He can't even get in the shadow squad. So that's what I Why don't did, understand about the there's squad.
0: So, there's something deeper, isn't there, going on? Because the whole Farrell Ford thing yeah. seems to be part of the foundations of what this England team are built on. And if you, uh, I, it can only be. It can only be something to do with that because how have you not bringing someone like Joe Simmons in
2: are you telling me that Owen Farrell's gone to Eddie Jones and said, I took Charlie Atkinson's head off, got red carded. I want to say, sorry, don't pick Joe Simmons, put Charlie Atkinson in the shadow squad gym. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. I'm happy to <laughs> put my name to that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Yeah. But you've got, no, you've got to question that, haven't you? Because it doesn't matter the media bandwagon and you know the Don Armand thing, when we're talking about him two or three years ago and he never got picked. But, you look. You're talking about the most pivotal position on the pitch, yeah. and you've got you. You know, you've got an NBA. What more do you want, Eddie?
2: So Cipriani did an interview over the weekend, didn't he? Where he said he never felt comfortable uh, in the group around Farrell, and whether there were some ulterior motives there to keep his best mate George Ford in the squad. Who knows? And maybe I love that- this drama. This is like a soap. I love this drama. I love it. Do you not love it? Do you not like, it
0: gives us something to talk about? There's drama in yeah. the camp.
2: There is. And, but that's the thing. Like, I get the fact he's got a 12-man shadow squad because he's got a reduced squad of 28 players to train. But then you look at some of the selections in there, and yes, everyone's about promoting youth, but some of the some of the selections are a little bit baffling. And I don't want to take that away from the players that have been selected. Um, you know, anyone in their own right mind would say... Joe Simmons is definitely in the top three fly flyoffs in this country uh, and should be in the squad. So I don't know how it's worked. It's Eddie Jones. He'll probably win the Six Nations with a Grand Slam so he can do what he wants. We're
1: going to have a chat now with one of the new faces in Eddie Jones's squad for the Six Nations, Paolo Dogwood joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah,
2: all good.
3: Thanks. Just chilling out at the
1: moment.
0: Paolo, great to have you on, mate. Man of the moment. Now, this question's normally at the end for the lads that are at Wasps. Do you live in Coventry or Leamington? <laughs> neither
2: neither you're a cov lad you must live in cov so
0: i'm not actually a cov
3: lad i was born in cov and i got out as quickly as possible <laughs> smart
2: smart mate
3: so i grew up in birmingham i live in birmingham at the moment
0: good on you well you know me and goody um are two of the greatest to come out of coventry i don't know if you knew that. <laughs> no, I but, know that yeah. but it's interesting it's, it's interesting actually because like you were born in coventry and going off on a bit of a tangent here i don't know if you know your rugby history but danny Grucock from coventry neil back uh, Leon Lloyd, Rob Hardwick, uh, Tom Wood. So you're one of them, but Kofskins. mate, congratulations, There you go. So you are, you are a proper <laughs> yeah. lad. part-time
2: Kovskins. Well, first and foremost, mate, congratulations on the call-up uh, to the England squad. Eddie Jones has obviously named you in that squad. There was a bit of chat a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you're Italian, maybe you're English. How much of an impact did Eddie Jones's call have on you? Was there any? chance ever that you were going to play for Italy or was it all I want to play for England and that was just a sideshow?
3: I mean I literally didn't think I'd be on England's radar at all to be honest because obviously they've been doing so well recently they've been keeping the same sort of squad together and it's been working so I was like I mean I was just surprised to get any sort of international call and obviously the Italy conversations happened and that kind of blew up in the media and then it was after that got the call from Eddie just to sort of wasn't telling me I was in the squad but sort of telling me I was on the radar and obviously that put that little that little carrot out for me from England like oh I might be able to actually get in the squad so I was held off from the Italy thing and I was like maybe I should wait to see what happens but I didn't expect it to be this, this six Nations, so that was a pleasant surprise
0: yeah, well, a lot of people were talking about it and it's fully deserved as well. A lot of that will come down to your form, playing for Wasp, but also collectively with the team as well. How good has it been at Wasp? We've spoken about them loads. We've um, ha- had players and the coaches on from the club as well and, and watching the rise of the club as you know, both me and Goody being from Coventry has been great, but how much of a platform has that been and playing with guys like Malachi Fekitoa and Jimmy Goppeth and being on the front foot and getting some ball in your hand?
3: Yeah, it's been unreal, obviously, since, since lockdown really we've come back and we've almost been a completely different team like I think Lee has had such a positive influence on us just letting us be ourselves and letting us express ourselves but also having that control to be able to manage the game so for me coming into the team this year and especially playing in the centres just getting so much ball on the front foot being able to attack those open spaces and then obviously it's worked out quite well because we're one of the leading scorers in the league for points and I'm one of the top scorers in the league as well.
2: Mate, things are going very well. I want to ask you about positionally then because obviously, you know, you've played a lot on the wing as well. We've seen the move to outside centre over the last sort of six, eight weeks uh, that's gone exceptionally well. Malachi Fekito has been injured. Uh, Lee Blackett moves you to outside centre Has Eddie Jones said you're a winger? Has he said you're a centre? Has he said you're a hybrid? Maybe you're a front row again because you used to play (laughs) front row. Who knows with Eddie Jones? What position is he looking at you for?
3: Hopefully not front row. But yeah, I think think especially with the smaller squad that they're taking, I think I'll probably be covering both, which is obviously good for me because it gives me sort of even more of a chance to be involved. But I definitely want to be an option at both. I've loved playing 13 this season because they're just get a bit more involved, get on the ball more and I get, get in the thick of it a bit. So yeah, definitely definitely covering both, but I'm enjoying
0: 13. It looks like you are. And when it rains, it pours as well and wasps are smart because you've re-signed at the club. <laughs> Did that happen quite quickly? Was that in the pipeline or has this kind of accelerated them to tie you down?
3: So that was actually, I actually re-signed the day before the bath game. Oh no. <laughs> I was like, oh, done.
0: <laughs>
3: so, but yeah, so that was that was sort of in the pipeline from the start of the season. So once I started playing and showing my worth, really, it was, uh, we we're having conversations and we we're trying to sort it out and then finally got the deal done. Then I had that bath game. Then I've had all this international stuff. So it was almost the opposite of how everyone thinks it's probably gone, but it was good. It was obviously I want to stay at the club. It's such a good place. and such a good vibe at the moment that I want to keep going there.
2: I'll give Derek a call and get him to put another zero on the contract. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> That'd be ideal. <laughs> You sound fully immersed in, in Wasps and things are going exceptionally well there. Let's just rewind the clock a little bit to um, when you got sent off at Sale because uh, actually the the ch- turnaround and Sale being your old club as well has been phenomenal. Um, how hard was it off the field once you would made that mistake and to grow back into the player you become now and park all that stuff behind you to moving into getting picked for the England squad? It, it's been a, a remarkable turnaround, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I think that was obviously... It was a crazy moment for me. It was such an emotional moment because I was like, this is, this was the club that I sort of made my mark and that's where I made my debut. It's where I started playing properly and I was like, it couldn't have been a worse place for that to happen. But I think the support that I had from Wasps throughout the whole period, they were like, there's nothing you can do to change it now. All you can do is work on your skills for these six or whatever weeks I'm out for and just make myself better as a player so when I come back, it's actually been a positive for me and then I pretty much just Logged myself out of social media. I was like, there's no point sitting on Twitter and reading people because I had people like, oh, you should be banned for years. I was like, oh. it was an accident. But so it was great. So I was like, I'm just going to take a break, just chill out, sort of have a little mental refresh. And then coming into the end of last season, we were doing so well and I wasn't involved as much as I wanted to, but still being a part of that sort of winning mentality and that great culture. Obviously, I was training in it I was a part of it so that coming into this year just drove me because I was like oh, I need to be in this team I need to play and then Mala getting injured just gave me the opportunity to get involved and then I haven't looked back since
0: Just on that social media stuff and I tell you what it's a bloody godsend that there was not much social media about when I was playing rugby um, <laughs> there was towards the, there was towards the back end and it weren't great there must be a fine line right by trying to build a brand as a young lad and I've seen you do your interviews and stuff like that and you really engage, and I love the fact that you can actually see it's you when you're doing the interviews and you're not trying to be something that you're told yeah. to be but how difficult along being a professional athlete is it trying to build a brand because there's value in that right you look at the athletes in America especially look at the footballers yeah. and some of them have their agents do you feel a little bit of pressure is that you need to come off social because of some of the comments that are happening but on Instagram you feel you need to put stuff up and put images on there of you playing how much pressure is it now for you for you younger lads to kind of build them platforms around being a rugby player as well
3: that's the thing. It's like, especially at the moment where I've been doing so much good stuff, you get those highs, you get the constant messages from people and like you're getting all these likes and you're getting all these pictures and stuff. But then you're like, this actually doesn't really mean that much. But at the same time, you do have to create a brand for yourself because when you have that image, like I'm quite a colourful person, quite an expressive person. As well, so I display that on my Instagram. And from like a business point of view, you're going to get more sponsorships, you're going to get more people wanting to talk to you and that kind of stuff. So for that time that I was banned, I literally, I didn't post anything on my Instagram, I didn't tweet anything. I just like literally had like a little sabbatical from it, which is obviously hard because you like, I want to keep like displaying myself like I'm still alive, like I didn't disappear for six weeks. But it is that tough getting that balance between showing people what you're doing and like portraying yourself as this like personality but also keeping parts of yourself to yourself
0: and off the back of the the social media stuff i just wanted to talk about your nigerian heritage because i know maro played with maro and some of the footballers is there's a real history of top sports stars that that come from uh, nigeria just tell us a little bit about your background and your heritage around that
3: yeah so my my mom's fully nigerian my dad's half nigerian half italian so I've got obviously that mix. they were both well my dad was born in Italy and then moved to Nigeria so he lived there a lot of his life my mum lived there a lot of their life so that culture is a big part of my life the thing about Nigeria which is funny which you get all these professional sportsmen from Nigeria that are so great but a lot of the time sports sport is never the first choice especially with our parents and it's always like education first kind of thing like you always have to make sure you're doing well and I think that kind of directly affects the sport because you've got that internal drive from your parents and from like, I need to do this well so that I can do the stuff that I love. So then it makes you sort of appreciate the sport and appreciate whatever you're doing more. So I think that drive translates over and then you get all these great athletes from that.
2: And just looking, you said earlier about building a brand and a business and everything like that around uh, what you're doing on the field, but also off the field. I'm hearing that you're uh, big into a bit of study, but also you're designing your own clothing line and everything like that. Jim has got the worst dress sense I've ever seen in my life. Can you help him out with a bit of some decent threads or what's going on? Well, it's, it's,
0: it's, it's not my fault. It's not, if you've got anything in a 3XL long... Then I'm happy to <laughs> I wear it. you, a I sure. you. I mean, this is
3: this is my brand. Actually,
0: what is it? Go on, get, get, let's give it a name drop.
3: It's Composure Club. Me and Jacob Marga at Wasps. It's our brand, so that should be dropping in the next month or so. We've been putting a lot of work into it, so yeah, this is a two XL. I wear massive clothes that don't fit me, so I'll be able to get you a three x
0: What does dropping mean? Like, as in, is it like dro- dropping, dropping as, where? As in the
3: um, <laughs> launching the website. We're gonna do like a pre-order system so that we can get an idea for numbers and everything. And then once we do that, it's gonna be pretty much a first come, first serve. So, so we keep it fresh every time there's a new a new release, different colorways, different. So we got two different hoodies, two t-shirts, and then towards summer there's gonna be caps, shorts, and all that stuff. So I, I could pull that
0: off,
2: mate. As long as <laughs> as long as there's no slippers or anything like that, mate. I am literally down for some composure club for sure. Beautiful. I'll buy you. Good stuff. Uh, Let's talk about obviously this week coming up. is huge for you, isn't it? You meet up with the England guys on Wednesday. Um, You must be so excited about it. But have you spoken to some of the Wasp lads or some of the guys at other clubs that you know are involved and any expectations from Eddie Jones as well?
3: Um, Yeah, obviously really excited to get in and it's kind of going into the unknown, especially at the moment with how everything's set up because of Corona. So it's going to be a real tight sort of bubble environment and everything's going to be a bit different. We sort of have to, everyone has to eat on like an individual table or spaced out from each other and we're not really allowed to socialise indoors and stuff. But obviously I've spoken to Jacob a lot he's one of my best friends at the club and he was there. He's been in there for the past two, three camps and just getting an idea of how life's going to be there and just what to expect from training and the coaches and everything is kind of giving me a good idea of what I'm going into.
2: Last thing then, Paolo, you're massively into football when you were growing up. Um, your head coach, Ian Dowey, sorry, I was going to say Ian Dowey, it's not, it's Lee Blackett. Um, are you responsible for calling Lee Blackett by the nickname Ian Dowie? And how much is he saying your selection's all down to his mesmeric move from wing to 13 and giving you the opportunity? Um,
3: I'm not responsible for that name. <laughs> but um, I mean, he definitely just deserved... I'll give him 50% of the credit because he, he's he's the one putting me on the pitch so he's definitely he's always we were literally talking like we had a chat in this little office eight weeks ago like how am I going to get in this team like I can't see anywhere I'm going to fit in this team and eight weeks later we're sitting in an office like who do I choose England or Italy so it was such a such a fast change in us and we were, we were joking about it like it's crazy how quick stuff happens so he was definitely one of the biggest backings for me and he's always believed in me and just been like, we need to get you on the ball and then you do the rest and that's happened and look where I've ended up. So definitely big shouts out to Lee.
2: Just don't give him 50% of your match fees, mate. Yeah, no. (laughs) 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 All
1: right, Paolo. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the show and hopefully we see you uh, get on the ball for England during the Six Nations.
3: Been happy to be on it and hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, he gets some touches. Yeah, cheers, class, Paolo. Paolo.
1: Good cheers on you, buddy. Us. Thanks very much. Thanks, mate. mate.
2: Appreciate that.
3: No worries. See you later.
2: Top lad. Good bloke. mate. What a turnaround, though. And he said it himself. Eight weeks ago, he was having a chat with Lee Blackett. How am I getting this team? Right now, he's in the England squad in the Six Nations, a reduced squad, as he said, of 28 players. He's got every chance of getting his first cap. How mad is the world at the minute? But also, how crazy is rugby when you get an opportunity like that? And it shows... Egg factor. Yeah, there's so many players out there that can, can't see how they're going to get a game at clubs. And, I, you know, we've got experience around different clubs and you, you see those players, don't you, that put it all in at training and never get the opportunity. And then, bang... He's playing, possibly playing international rugby against Scotland a week on Saturday. I mean, that's a phenomenal story if you've ever heard one. Do you reckon he will? Um, well, I, personally, I don't know. It's tough. I don't want to... We've just had him on the pod, so I definitely You don't want to does. piss on his fire. Yeah. So if you pick, if Eddie Jones is picking his best 10, 12, 13 right now, knowing Eddie Jones, he's picking Ford at 10, he's picking Farrell at 12 and Slade at 13, but... Game changes. Do you put Paolo on the bench? Uh, Ollie Lawrence obviously was in the mix in the Autumn Nations Cup. He hasn't played for a long time because he's been injured, so I don't know what his fitness is like. So, yeah, I'd love to see him on the bench. Just come off the bench and transform England's scoreline against Scotland from 20 nil up to 60 nil, and he'll be a hero.
1: And Harry Randall is the other new
0: one, boys. You're welcome. Interviewed Harry. Randall for rugby pass as well, lovely young fella, Welsh accent, just sounded like Sheedy, Callum Sheedy, but he deserves that goodie, I think, and I think Scrum Half's a position in which we can debate as much as we want, Ben Spencer, for example, and how long young is he going to go for, so to see Harry Randall, he's in there on form, and it is weird, isn't it, how you got Harry Randall in there on form, yet we just spoken about it. You've not got someone like Joe Simmons. It's, it's crazy. But I think Harry Randall offers something different. Again, you're playing in a winning team, a team that's on the front foot. You've got Semi in your team. Oh, my goodness. And he deserves it. He's small. He doesn't like being called small. We're not allowed to call him small goody. But he is small, but he punches way above his weight. And I genuinely think he can offer something different to international rugby. Look at DuPont, for example, in, the, in terms of his size. Aaron Smith is another small scrum half. So, Ben Spencer's another one, though. How is Ben Spencer, the way that he plays rugby, not in that England squad?
2: Well, it's, you know, first and foremost, as you said, Harry Randall fully deserves it on form. Um, and he's finally given Dan Robson uh, the opportunity. Ben Spencer flew out to the World Cup final. God knows what he did on that night after the World Cup final because he has not been seen since. <laughs> something, something must have
1: happened. <laughs> What's the Imagine drama?
0: That, that, that's the drama, though. How can you go... From being in the lineup for a World Cup final and next thing you're nowhere near it, but you're actually playing more
2: than you played back then and you're playing better. Trey Bazaar. Well, it's just Eddie Jones sees these players close up and he gets to make the decision himself, doesn't he? And, you know, we're allowed to question it. Um, and, you know, ultimately, a lot of people would say Ben Spencer deserves a chance, but so does Harry Randall. You know, he will potentially come off the bench uh, and add you know, some real pace as Dan Robson does. So we've now got two or three challenges to Ben Young's. Well, speaking of nines, it's about time we got John Cooney back on the show. Well, we needs to, because he's not getting picked. I mean, poor John Cooney. That's all I'm saying. I thought he's playing reasonably well, isn't he? Ulster, they've been going pretty good. I know they lost a couple of weeks ago, but that's the only game they've lost. And then Craig Casey. Some people have never heard of him. Get John Cooney in.
0: But Cooney's an interesting one, isn't he? I, I mean, I've watched a lot of the the Pro 14 and Cooney's been, I'd say, back to where he was before the lockdown stuff started when he was playing his best rugby. So I don't know what has happened there. You know, you go back to the semi-final against the hashtag Always Edinburgh at the end of last season, got taken off at halftime, uh, wasn't playing very well in that half. That was off the back of lockdown. And then coming back, he was playing... Injured. He came on the podcast around then. Then he plays in the final. He's on the bench, obviously raging. Then the Ireland squad gets announced. He's not in the Ireland squad. No idea why, because he's had one bad game or two bad games. And then his form for Ulster has been brilliant. You look at Ulster, what they're building there. He's a massive part of that Uh, in terms of ball in hand, his kicking at goal, everything that comes with that. His lid is on point every single time. Maybe that's (laughs) what it is because Andy Farrell likes a good lid. And maybe his lid's looking shit now because it's grey and he's looking at him thinking, I'm not having someone in the
2: squad with a lid that good. Are you saying, Jim, that Andy Farrell has listened to his son Owen Farrell who doesn't like this podcast or mainly doesn't like Jim Hamilton, knowing full well that John Cooney's come on this podcast and said, Dad, don't pick John Cooney because I don't like Jim Hamilton and he's gone on Jim and Goody's podcast.
0: Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm happy to put my name to that as well. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, It could well be. But <laughs> again, I don't know. It's Conor Murray. Is Cooney playing better than Conor Murray? I think he is. <laughs> so from what I've seen, but Conor Murray's like one of them players in the squad where it doesn't matter, does it? It's it's Conor Murray and he's going to be there until he doesn't want to be there.
2: Yeah, you can make an argument for saying that Conor Murray's their out-and-out first choice in the same mould as Ben Young's, right? It's for England. And however they play at their club form... Sometimes it doesn't make a difference, but Jameson Gibson Park, really good player, um, you know, off the bench as well. Potentially, uh, we'll add real pace. But then I just, I just can't get my head around the fact that Cooney isn't picked ahead of Craig Casey, who's second choice at Munster. Um, it's weird, really weird for me.
1: Wales have named their squad like all the others. Reese Webb, he's missing. Mel of the match at the weekend as well. He was. How honest you want to be? <laughs>
0: it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because. You can only go on face value. I watched him playing for, for Toulon and I, I couldn't believe it was the Rhys-Webb that I'd come to love watching play. I don't know. I think it was the worst thing that Reese webb did was was going to Toulon. And now he's obviously trying to catch back up and get back in the Wales squad. He was back in the Wales squad in the autumn. Um, he was on loan yeah. at Bath and now he's back playing at Ospreys. He's playing well at the Ospreys as he well. Is play- well, Ospreys are playing well as well. He is playing well yeah. at the Ospreys. Toby Booth Factor, hell of a coach.
1: Guys, what's going on with Quinn's and Paul Gaster?
0: I don't know what's going on. I just know that he's not there anymore. But who would coach Quinn's? And I know the haters out there who are Quinn's fans, they're going to hate, 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 hate. They are. That's what Miley Cyrus said or whatever, Britney Spears, whatever that singer was. Taylor Swift, that's the one. They're going to hate, 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 hate. But what the hell is going on at Quinn's? Really? Just playing Robshaw. Shaw. Guzzy's been sacked as well. It's a strange
2: one. When Guzzy took over, Quinn's were in a really bad place. They were finished, I think they were 10th in the league or something. He's taken over, got them up to fifth in the first year and then sixth in the second year. Uh, you know, got them to a final. So there the, the looks like progression. There needed to be some sort of broom taken through that club to get rid of some of the older. Uh, players and and a coach like Guzzy needed time for that. But actually, you know, people are looking at this as Paul Gustard has been sacked by Harlequins. And that's the kind of headlines that have come out. You know, and I uh, you know, I might come on to the CEO in a minute about around what he said. But doing my research and speaking to some of my sources, Guzzi was offered a contract extension by Harlequins that he wasn't happy signing. And they'd obviously put a contract on the table. His contract was running out at the end of the season. He hadn't signed it yet because he wanted a few things to change at the club. What do you mean? What do you mean he wanted rid of Danny Kerr? What do you mean? <laughs> I didn't say that. Oh, did you not? Sorry, I thought you did. Just because, would you put your name to that or not?
0: Will you put your name to no, that? No, no, I wouldn't. Okay. But
2: what I will, what I will say is when some of the players got wind of the fact that because he hadn't signed his deal yet, and uh, Laurie Darenpool, the the CEO some of the Quinn's players had clandestine meetings with the ceo what was that word clandestine that
0: sounds something gendery i don't what something what gendery
2: gendery no 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 just in secret kind of oh okay so okay. Yeah. um so they some of the players went to and i won't name names but some of the Senior Quinns players. Who do you think it might have been
0: if they're senior players?
2: I I don't know, James. Let's guess.
0: We can guess. Just put your name to some. Give us some.
2: I don't know, but it could be the fact that some of the senior players, like a Mike Brown, who could be leaving the club, or like a a Danny Kerr, who signed a contract extension. um, And a Chris Robshaw just went back in just to have them (laughs) chats. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, had some clandestine meetings with uh, Laurie Darenpool. And they kind of said, you know, Guzzy's trying to change things, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, from what I'm hearing, they got wind of Guzzy not signing his contract yet. And then they kind of ushered it along and forced the situation where Guzzy has now got somewhere else he wants to go to. And they realised that actually, if Guzzy wasn't going to sign his contract, the players, some of them started voicing their opinions because they didn't think he'd be here in the long run. They've just got rid of him um, and cut ties pretty quickly and i suppose it's similar to the jordan murphy scenario where jordan's gone to the board and said i'm out of contract at the end of the year are you going to extend my deal the board have said that leicester have said no so he's like well what's the point of me being there but it's a flip reverse of that so flip the club up. the club have offered guzzy a contract and he's not signing it um because he's obviously looking at their options he's negotiating stuff there's problems at the club that he wants to change um and the board weren't allowing those things to happen, and then players get wind of it, gone behind his back a little bit, from what I hear, to the CEO. And what I, what I struggle with is, and this is Quins down to a T for me. Um, you know, they won the league in 2012, and people have got this impression of Quinn's that it's a you know the, the culture, whatever, whatever. Who knows what their culture is unless you've been in there. But the CEO Laurie Downpool, has come out and said individuals suit certain environments. And the club has taken time to reflect on the way that they want to live and operate and create the identity and culture that is reflective of us as a club. And they say that Paul Gustav doesn't suit that. What is Quinn's culture? Because Guzzi was trying to change from the old to a new club. And I don't get what their culture is. What do they think? They've got a winning mentality? They've won nothing. They've won one league. No,
0: they're sponsored by Adidas.
2: How cool is that, that you've got Adidas kit? That, I mean, that's great. They've got Adidas kit. I love that. What Guzzy's done is he has improved that club. You know, he's a... Friend of ours, you've been coached by him, Jim. I played with him, good mate. And you look at it and we've always, you know, you've given a bit of stick to Quinns over time, haven't you? Because of the whole Saracens thing from back in the day. Uh, and I'm just honest. And he took the club forward, but there's people at that club holding that club back, I think.
1: Who Who? do who, who, you think? Senior players? Look, yeah, I mean,
2: sometimes you've got to move on. <laughs> you've got to have a fresh broom. Look at Toulouse, right? Toulouse had a load of old players. Uh, the coach took a broom, got rid of some of the old boys and bought through some of the young lads, which he was trying to do, to lose a few years down the track, win the top 14. And effectively, rugby and, and sport is cyclical, isn't it? So you have to regenerate your squad You know, Leicester for years had the best squad and were always in the final, around the final. Then they changed their whole emphasis around how they recruit and what their recruitment looks like and who does their recruitment. And they've been shit for years. And I hate to say that because it's a club of mine, but we've always said it's the recruitment. So there's a lot of times when if you're the DOR, you need to be given complete autonomy on, you know, trying to implement your plan and I don't think that happened with Guzzi at Quinn's I don't think he was given complete autonomy and by all accounts some clandestine meetings by the players uh, and some senior players um, have led to Guzzi leaving early and to be fair to Guzzi I don't think he wanted to stay there anyway because he's got a more exciting option that will where be announced in due course James
0: what do you reckon Wales
2: there's rumours of Wales there's rumours of abroad there's rumours in the premiership um, But I believe something may come out later in the week
0: Oh, there we go. Oh, you know, you know, just let us know. If you're not going to let me know, let the millions know. (laughs) Give them them what they Uh, want. I'm going to say Bath. I'm just going to throw something out there. I don't know why I'm saying Bath, but... There there you go. You're saying Guzzi to Bath.
2: What are your thoughts on it though, Jim? Because ultimately, you know, you're you're not scared of getting stuck into Quinns for whatever reason. You know, you could see a plan with Guzzi. They were getting better. Some of the younger players were coming through and, and... you know, there has been some underperformance over the last couple of months, but they got humped by Rassing, who were one of the best teams in Europe at the minute, and then they drew with London Irish. They were, they were, they're not far off the top four. I think, what, they four or five points off the top four. So it's not as if they're bottom of the league and struggling, is it?
0: Obviously, I make a few jokes and remarks about Quinns. Some of it's tongue-in-cheek tongue in and some of it's not. I, th- I I just think sometimes the way that they conduct themselves on the pitch and there's a bit of drama off the pitch that follows them, isn't there? Like there is. I mean, is it? is. I'm sat here saying that with all the drama that happened at Saracens and I stuck up for it. But I think Guz is a brilliant coach. I was very surprised when he took the Quinns job, really surprised, just because of what he stands for and what the history of what you'd hear about Quinns and having played against Quinns for Saracens. But there's always drama there, isn't there? There's all, there just seems to be something not quite right They have big performances, big wins, and then they go away and get hammered. And that's year on year, regardless of what coach they've got. So the CEO, I think it's a real shame to come out with them comments as well about a coach like Gustav, because effectively you read in between the lines that he didn't fit the culture. It's like Goody said, well, who's defining the culture? If Guzzi didn't fit the culture and he's the head coach, Sale have signed Alex Anderson to bring a culture with
2: him. Paul Gustav brings his culture to the club. And he's been very successful as a coach, hasn't he? If you look at his time with Saracens, his time with England, Grand Slam, you know, winning uh, down in Australia and all that stuff, he knows how to win trophies.
0: Exactly. So that's it. Like the proofs in the pudding and the record, like he changed Saracens' DNA with the defence and everything he built around that, the way that he delivers to the the team. England, like Goody said, you look at his results with that in a hard environment working with Eddie Jones. Coaching, they'll all say that. We can see with the turnover. So just going back to it, I was very surprised that he ended up at Quinn's. And you look at the the makeup of that team. Losing Sean Long was, it was a, a big thing for the club. The whole thing around Rob Shaw and everything that he brought to the club. For me, James Horwell was a big loss for them. In the second row, everything that he brought. I thought he was a wicked premiership player. He was fantastic. You've got Marcus Smith, a young 10 coming through. You've got a bit of drama that follows Joe Marler on and off the pitch. You've got to deal with that. Danny Kerr, how much of a voice does he have? You're bringing Chris Ashton into the mix as well with everything that comes with Ashy. Just signed for Worcester, we've just seen that as well. And it, yeah, he's gone today. Yeah, so I don't know. It's just a weird club. They just see like they seem like they've got everything. You, you've got a little stadium next to Twickenham, great demographic of rugby players. You know, your stereotypical Englishman playing at the club. English internationals
2: have been through the club, are playing at the club. But something's not quite right, and that's the thing though. What, when the CEO's saying about their culture, what is their culture? What you know, I, that's what I don't get. Is their culture what they're dining off from winning the premiership in 2012 or whenever it was? That's a long time ago. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, it's hard. You, you can identify with certain clubs' cultures and how they perform. Um, and I think they were starting to find their way and find their feet under Guzzy. He's no doubt improved them, but you need a bit of time
0: as well because, like you don't just come in and start firing people and saying, Robshaw, I'm getting rid of you. Marlon I'm getting rid of you. Even though I know he re- re-signed Marla. Danny Kerr's just signed a, a two-year deal. It takes time, right? It takes... Look at Saracen's story, their journey that they went on. Look at Exeter's. Look at Bristol's. You know? It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. So, like these clubs like Leicester, big clubs like Quinn's, you know, your Baths and stuff like that. You know, Bath, arguably, are underperforming massively year on year with the squad of players that they've got it's not easy so it's like what you say is success so clearly something's not right there you know maybe the way that Guzzi spoke spoke after games and he put a lot of it on the players he did like it was right some of the time so
1: who knows again well, if you're on the lookout for more great rugby content, we've got Sir Ian Jimmy Gopith, Scott Speeding, Blair Cow, Matt Banhan, Sean O'Brien, and others all on our Superfan subscription service at patreon.com. We've had them in there over the last few months alone. And if you sign up, you get access to all of those, plus over 60 more interviews with the biggest names, all for less than the price of a cup of coffee or a pint. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod to find out more. And Goody, you caught up with Toulouse uh, Fly Half Zach Holmes there recently, didn't you? I certainly did. Have listened to this.
2: One of the names I want to ask you about first and foremost uh, is Anton Dupont, uh, your scrum half partner, your um, the guy that you're playing with regularly week in, week out. He's probably the best scrum half in the world at the minute in terms of what he's performing uh, for France and, and what he's done for Toulouse as well. How exciting is it to play with him? How's the, the chat going between you both in terms of lingo? Is it English? Is it French? Is it... Just follow him into battle because he picks up the ball and makes breaks. It must be an absolute pleasure as a ten to play with someone like that as well.
4: Yeah, I think so. See, Antoine doesn't. He's not. He's not a big speaker. Um, for me, I have to. I can only speak French here because if I speak it, say anything in English, even sometimes when I speak to some of the English boys that don't speak any French. In English, I get, I get told <laughs> off. So right. Um, yeah, but he's just so instinctive. I think that's the thing. Like he's probably. He's easy because he gives you the time to play, and his skills are so good he's pass on both sides he kicks off both feet well he's and he reads the game very well um he's sometimes or even if he gets himself into trouble or he can, he's able, he's just he's able to get himself out he's just so strong he's got such he's able, his movements so good um he just gives you that more, bit more time like defenses are worried about what he can do. Oh, I remember watching him. He, at Casts when I was at La Show, he might have only been eighteen, nineteen, and some of the things he was doing there. I was like, and I sort of knew that he was going to sign at Toulouse. Sort of same time I was coming here, so it was sort of one of the things that was it was it like made me more interested in in going to Toulouse, being able to play with him and seeing his ability then and what he's been able in now what three or four years ahead and what he's able to do now and just even during. Uh, the test matches that have just been—it's yeah, his, his game's gone to another level, and he's definitely probably, for me, in my mind, the premier premier nine in the in the world at the moment. So, yeah, it's just let him do his thing if he wants to pass me the ball, he can. Uh, um, and then, usually, it's yeah, it gives gives the the backs a bit more time because yeah, those yeah defenses uh, definitely worried about him.
1: There you go, just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that, and we couldn't do all this without you, so massive thanks to everyone that's already signed up for your support. Shall we have a look at the rumour mill? Anything floating about, boys? Oh,
2: friend of the show, big friend of the show, big friend of mine, big friend of Jim's. He could be coming home, Jim. Who's coming home? Freddie. Where? Where's he been rumoured? I've not seen this. He could be going back to Leicester Tigers, my friend.
0: No way, Jose. How have I missed that? It's been everywhere.
2: Is he not messaged Genuinely? you either? Yeah, 100%. It's not 100% happening, but it's 100% uh, being spoken about. I'd love to see him back at Leicester. How good would that be? I think there's possibly, from Freddie's point of view, obviously COVID is ruining, not ruining necessarily, but changing his experience in Japan. Um, because he ain't played any rugby yet, apart from a few friendly games. He's in lockdown, from one lockdown to another. So, who knows? Hopefully, Freddie will brace the Premiership again, and he played some of his best rugby, I think, at, at Leicester at times. And then, as we've heard about before, got shafted a little bit when it came to uh, getting George Ford to leave Bath to come to Leicester, and then he went the other way. So, uh, an interesting story, that, and we'll see how it develops.
0: Yeah, then another one, Jordan Taufua leaving Leicester. There was talk of him leaving Leicester in the summer. What's going on? He's obviously not happy. He's a quality player as well. Maybe it's off Jasper Visa doing really well in that position.
2: Who knows? Did you say a few weeks ago that Jasper Visa is awesome and they should get rid of Jordan Talfua?
0: I said the beginning bit. I didn't say the end But I'm happy to (laughs) put my name to it as well. If it causes drama and causes a stir this week, I'm happy.
2: Yeah. Um, No, I've heard that. There was obviously uh, some issues when they let a few players go uh, that wouldn't take the pay cuts originally. Do you remember those stories back about, seems about 14 years ago now, but it was only in the summer. The likes of Carl Eastman and Greg Bateman and people like that. Um, What
0: about Greg Bateman? You're giving it loads, uh, leaving Leicester, and then next thing you had to put Dragons.
2: (laughs) Dragons is a good club, mate. They offered me a decent deal one year. That doesn't mean they're a good club. (laughs) That means they're a shit club if they're offering you that. True, true, true. I'm hearing the Jordan Taufel one's pretty imminent. I'm not sure how well he gets on with Steve Borthwick's intensity, shall we say. What about Ashi as well? Confirmed that he's going to Worcester. My goodness. And
0: he was not happy last week at me and you, Andrew. The transcript that Ruby Pass published, the article of what we said, had zero context to us talking about our love for Chris Ashton. And he messaged me and said, mate, Mate, why the fuck are you two chatting shit about me again? There's just no need. So I sent him back this voicemail. Ashley, we're giving you a fucking lifeline here, mate. You should be thanking us. Because he's gone. Bloody transcript from the podcast is out. It doesn't read great. I get that. But if you listen to the context, mate, we're fucking
2: getting you a job. You're welcome. And a week and a week later he's got a job. What more do you
0: want, Ashie? What more do you want, brother? Sorted him out a good one. If that has yeah. not pushed, if that article has not sold him to clubs by saying the ball's bouncing off his head, he's gonna be cheap, what what else do you want? Like we've given you
2: a lifeline here, Ashie, and next thing,
0: he's turned up at the big one, he's turned up at Worcester
2: yeah yeah well it's interesting obviously we know his family are living in northampton at the minute he didn't enjoy Quins that much the culture apparently wasn't great but Laurie darren pulled the ceo at Quinn's, wasn't happy because his culture apparently so who knows but what we do know is ashley's left another contract mid-contract and we've all done it haven't we jim but not that many times more i've done than- it once <laughs> no, i've done it once he's done twice. it he's yeah, he's done it more than anyone I know. And I'm so pleased he signed for Worcester, because surely that makes Ashy have more premiership clubs than me now. He's had Quinns, he's had Sale, he's had Northampton, he's had Saracens. Now he's up Worcester Warriors. That's five. Oh, shit, that's the same as me. Jesus. Ashy, he's been around the clubs. But I think one thing that is motivating him, and I hope he does get there, I think he's two tries off breaking into second place for the top tries in the Premiership ever, and he's four away from Tom Vandell. He wants to get his mate Mark Cueto's record first and then four from Tom Vandell. He'll end up being the Premiership's top try scorer. I think that's what's motivating him. We both said it last week. We hope someone gives him a chance. Only problem with playing for Worcester is he ain't going to touch the ball. He's just going to chase kicks and defend. Get relegated. (laughs) (laughs) You're horrible, Jim. Horrible. Any other rumours, lads? What about this one, Jim? Hit me. You know, we said uh, Zach Mercer could be leaving Bath to go to the south of France, and specifically Montpellier.
0: Don't tell me there's a swap with Louis Picapoo, that That what I heard. There
2: you go, my friend. Potentially, Louis Picapoo coming back to... Uh, Picamol, sorry, coming back to Bath. Well, not back to Bath, coming back to the Premiership and signing for Bath.
0: He was great when he played for Northampton. He, he Arguably, very very the good. best ruggers he's ever played. But for some reason, he's gone from Toulouse and Montpellier, where he's from originally, where there's restaurants galore across all the promenades and squares and whatever you call them, Lafayette's, and then he's headed to Northampton with one restaurant, which is a Chinese buffet, all you can go, and that's it. No wonder (laughs) he didn't settle. No wonder he didn't settle in Northampton. But, I mean, because Bath need number eight, don't they? Because they've got and or is Faletel leaving?
2: Well, who knows, Jim? Well, who knows? It's a rumour. It's a rumour. As we say it again, who knows? Any other rumours? There's one that was floating around at the weekend, and I can't see this at all. I think this is absolute spice. Uh, Ollie Lawrence leaving Worcester to go to Newcastle Falcons. Now, I don't want to disrespect two of my old clubs. Ollie Lawrence come through at Worcester. If you're going to leave, and I know Newcastle are sitting third in the league, I think, at the minute. You ain't leaving there to go to Newcastle, are eh?
0: you? If I was Leicester, I'd go all out to get Ollie Lawrence.
1: Right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly and Sons are on board again this week and they're here to help everyone out with their lid in 2021. Sons are a men's health brand that's helping guys with one of the care issues that they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They do this by offering a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss as well as a free online consultation with GPs and they deliver via a monthly or three-monthly subscription direct to your door. It's reasonably priced with no contract or hidden charges, and most importantly, they get results in 9 out of 10 men. So say hello to the new old you. Just visit sons.co.uk and use the code rugbypod20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N-S.co.uk, and the code is rugbypod20.
2: Yeah, some good this weekend, and as ever, we're going to start off with an old club of mine, AGM. Eh, I've just abused Ashy for having more clubs than I've had hot dinners, but I had a lot of clubs as well. And breathe, my old breath. What's happened at breath? Massive victory. They get a mention in the goo this week. 32-27 away at Pooh. They went away at Pooh. Jim.
0: Didn't see it. I'll be honest. Didn't see it. <laughs> and I'm probably not going to watch the highlights.
2: <laughs> it was a, a decent result for them, taking them further away from the relegation scrap. Um, and not often the smaller teams win away from home so big tip of the slipper to all the breed boys Uh, what else was good Bordeaux as well another away win in France they're starting to become more and more regular shall we say because Bordeaux beat Racing 33-32 at the La Défense Arena gym hell of a game it was Uh, so well done to the Bordeaux boys Uh, we'll go to the Guinness Pro 14 and Cardiff Blues beating the Scarlets away it was a dour game but an away victory 13 points to 10 and they had to do it throughout the first half without their director of rugby and my friend, Di Young, who got stuck on the M4 motorway in traffic. So they started the game, done the warm-up, kicked off. No big speech, no big arousing speech, Jim, from the big man, Di Young. And they end up winning 13-10 away from home at the Scarlets. So uh, Cardiff have turned a corner. What else was good? Leinster get back in the good this week, uh, winning 13-10 away at Munster. A massive victory for them. Uh, both sides fully loaded. It wasn't a high-scoring game. It was a bit of like an island trial, uh, but it's great to see all the internationals playing in the Guinness Pro 14. Wouldn't that be nice to do every week? Jordan Lama was back. He scores the winner effectively as well. Um, so a great game for everyone to watch that. Uh, but the good this week goes to one team, and they got a mention earlier indirectly and one of their players got to mention the Ospreys they have turned a massive corner we've given them plenty of stick over time for some poor performances Toby Boo's gone in there changed things round.
0: Alan Wynne-Jones is injured not that that matters because oh he's the glue of the team he is he is the glue of the team
2: so anyway they uh, they came back from 17-5 down Reese Webb inspiring the comeback um, to beat Connacht 26-20 we all know how difficult it is to win over there so that's three away wins on the spin for them tip of the slipper to Toby Booth and his crew down at the Ospreys they get the good um, the bad Montpellier they're getting in there every week now Jim your old club you need to get down there and do a documentary about them and how bad they are, and then they'll maybe improve themselves. Because I, I doubt they'll have me back, I'll be honest. No. <laughs> That's now eight consecutive defeats for them after they lost to Leon at home at the weekend. Michael Checker can't come soon enough. What else is bad? We're staying in the top four team. Agen, their season goes from bad to worse. They lost 59-0 at home to Toulouse. Oh. Who takes 50, Jim? I think the last team in the premiership was Saracens circa 18 months ago. I might be wrong on that, but I just had to mention it anyway. They got absolutely hosed up at the Rico Arena. But Agen, oh no, 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 no. Absolutely horrific for them. So they get mentioned the bad. Uh, What else is bad? We'll stay in France. Viramu Vakatawa missing the Six Nations with a knee injury after going off in Rassing's defeat to Bordeaux. Um, He had two players try and absolutely smash him as he's turning to try and spin out of a tackle. Uh, It looked pretty bad, actually. I reckon it could be ACL. Mm, didn't look good. Um, or PCL. So pretty bad. He's a quality player. He'll be missed in the Six Nations. Um, but the bad this week, I don't know. I'm just going to go with um, something random. I'm going to go with Andy Farrell. Why? How are you leaving out John Cooney?
0: I thought you were going to go with Quins.
2: No. I give okay. given Quins the bad enough, and they don't deserve a mention in the bad because they haven't even played. But it was a bad move to get rid of Guzzi. If they did get rid of Guzzi or did Guzzy leave, who knows? But the bad this week goes to Andy Farrell and not picking our friend of the show, John Cooney, who has been on fire for Ireland. Something else in that, I reckon Owen has listened to the pod, doesn't like Jim, has told his dad that Cooney came on the pod so don't pick him, so he ain't picked. I'm sorry.
0: I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: uh, and then the ugly, uh, two bits of ugly. Uh, one of them has created a lot of debate around the game um, and I just happened to stick the clip up on my twitter feed oh,
0: uh, i saw this i was like oh here he what? is <laughs> the, what are you saying Jim? I,
2: it's what twitter is about jim healthy debate dimitri oh. Arhip leading with his non-ball carrying arm into the jaw of sione kalamaphoni he was spar code uh it's created debate it doesn't look great some people say it's play on some people say not so much i haven't given my opinion i've just said what do you reckon twitter on? what's your I don't opinion think, my opinion is I don't think you can lead with your forearm and elbow that's not carrying the ball um, so I think it's dangerous play by him let's see what happens um, you're going to ask
0: my opinion you asked me on Twitter I just didn't reply
2: what is your opinion Jim
0: it's a rugby incident and there's it happened so quickly arguably you can say Calamaphoni's too high he should have been lower but it's not his responsibility to be any lower than he was and that is one of them where it could have gone either way and you can argue both sides of the horse. Yeah. So,
2: so let's see what happens, Jim. I um, I, I don't think it's as clear cut as some people think. Some people go clear red. Some people like, it's nothing. There is that grey area in the middle. And I think Nigel Owen said that he feels that something could happen on that. So we'll, watch, we'll wait and see. Uh, and then the other one, Nicolas Sanchez sent off for a shoulder to the head of Baptiste Serra as Baptiste Serra was picking up the ball from the base of a rock in Stade Francais' defeat to Toulon. A bit of bad luck, a bit of bad timing, but a bit of wiser 10 around the breakdown, trying to hoe through it and smash a nine. Just don't do it, boys. Nicolas Sanchez, it's not great. It's not that bad, but you're going to get the
1: ugly this week because there's not much else out there. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout outs to finish off with, don't you?
0: Yeah, I've got a big shout out to Weatherby, RFC, who had some sad news recently as Richard Jones, who played over 100 times for the first team, died suddenly from a blood disorder. It's been a huge shock to everyone and he'll be sorely missed, but the rugby family is rallying around and have got lots of things planned, so we're sending love to Richard's family and everyone at Weatherby Rugby Club from here on the Rugby Pod.
2: Yeah, massive love to everyone at Weatherby RFC and also a big shout out to Ian Roberts who is running 334 kilometres in February along with some friends to raise money to save the eyesight of a little girl who's suffering from CNL2 Batten disease. 334 kilometres is the distance from Amelia's home in Poynton to Great Ormond Street Hospital in London, so a massive good luck to Ian and all his mates with that challenge. And just type in Ian Roberts Just Giving if you want to help him reach his fundraising target of £2,500 and show him your support.
1: Thanks Goody, thanks Jim, thanks Producer Tim and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Leave us a review and check us out on YouTube as well. Ruby Pod. Pod, pod, pod.